Amen. So grateful uh, to be a part of a church uh, with serving alongside a number of other faithful elders. Uh, those that pray on Sunday morning, typically uh, elders in the church who are tasked with caring for, shepherding the body. Ron is one of those. Uh, today we're going to um, vote on uh, on extending or a new term to, to some and, and, and a new one, uh, one that has been serving our church faithfully for many years in that role uh, is Bob Reakin. And, uh, and he said he served in that role in his previous church as well. And he's been in an elder role in a church since the age of 30. And well, he ain't 30 anymore. Uh, he has been for many years faithfully serving the Lord's church, both somewhere else and now here. And we are grateful. I'm grateful uh, just for many who God calls to serve, who say yes, and then carry out their role faithfully in in so many ways. I'm thankful for the privilege of being one of your pastors. Uh, you are generous to me and to my family in so many different ways. It seems like Christmas was a long time ago, but you did give us a Christmas gift in addition to what you already normally give us financially for a salary. We're really grateful for that. Note in the bulletin about that, but just wanted to personally express thanks for your generosity in so many different ways. It, it makes sense that we would be a people who give generously because we worship a God who gives generously. Jesus is one who gives. He has a giving nature, and he has been giving. God has been giving to our church growth in numbers, which we've recognized, and so we've been on this path of exploring an addition to our building. So we've been talking, I mean, even a couple of the reports at the business meeting coming up later are going to be from a building committee. You see some uh, design uh, that they've been looking at there on the back wall. Uh, maybe you saw that when you came in. But as we started this new year, I just determined before jumping back into going through the book of Luke, verse by verse, um, we're just doing a, a quick little break, four weeks in the book of Ephesians, uh, where we're looking at what I'm calling Christ's building project. We started out a couple of weeks ago looking at the end of the first half of Ephesians. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, we saw that Jesus is building a church that is built on prayer. And now today, and for the next three weeks, so today plus two more, we're just going to look uh, two verses each week. So Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16, we're just covering two verses each week, so we'll be able to dive in pretty deep. And the passage we're looking at today will begin with Jesus giving something to his church with a particular goal. What is it that Jesus is giving, and why is he giving it to the church? So we're going to look at that as we open up today, Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. I'm going to give you, uh, we're going to break this down in detail here in a minute. I'm going to give you a little background and context uh, after I read these two verses. So our custom is we stand as the Word of God is read. If you're able to, would you stand? I'm going to pray for God's help, and then we're just going to read these two verses. Father, please help. Uh, help as you have, by your Holy Spirit, inspired the Apostle Paul to write each of these very words not only to build up your church in Ephesus in the first century, but you have intended that these words would be useful to build up your church throughout the centuries, even here today in Iowa Falls, Iowa. So by your Spirit who dwells inside all of us who believe, 
Would you bring about conviction? Would you bring about uh, whatever is good and necessary that your body might be built up for your glory here today? Use my preaching, if I get in the way in any way, get me out of the way, that your Holy Spirit might do the work that you intend to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here is the Word of God, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Amen. You can be seated. Inside your bulletin, we do have a sermon notes page. You'll be able to follow along on there. The date on the front is wrong because it was intended for last week. We didn't want to print them all again. So the date's wrong. You're here on January 21st, and we are covering Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Uh, like I said, we're going to break all of those verses down, those two verses that we just read uh, here in just a moment. But I think some background is going to be especially helpful this week. We kind of just jumped into this letter without saying much about it. Ephesians is a letter. It is the very Word of God written through the Apostle Paul and written initially to the church in Ephesus. And people who lived in the city of Ephesus were called Ephesians, which is why we just call it Ephesians. They were the original recipients of this letter. Paul wrote this letter in about the year 62 AD, and about eight, nine years earlier, Paul had actually been in Ephesus. So he's writing back to some people, certainly some in the church uh, were new and maybe had never met Paul. Others maybe knew Paul well while he was there. But he's writing back to this church where he had been a few years previously. It's helpful, I think, to know something about the city of Ephesus, because we're all formed. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I came from a small town in Minnesota. I was formed by that. You came from different places. We're here in Iowa Falls, Iowa, and where we live forms a bit of how we look at the world around us. And so if we want to understand Ephesians well, I think it helps us to understand Ephesus a little bit. So a couple of things about Ephesus. If you want to read about Paul's time there, by the way, uh, I suggested this when we didn't meet last week. I gave you a guide for worship at home and, and suggested maybe reading Acts 19. That's the account of Paul in Ephesus and what God did there. But Ephesus is on the western edge of modern-day Turkey. Okay, so modern-day Turkey, western edge of that, so right along the sea. It was an important port city that had a lot of sea traffic going in and out, but also land traffic going in and out. So a lot of people were going in and out of the city of Ephesus. It was a city that housed some very impressive buildings. Okay, super impressive buildings there in Ephesus. Uh, there, there is a theater. There's going to be a map there. Uh, up. This is kind of what the ancient city of Ephesus looked like. If you see about in the middle there, there is a theater. Just for perspective, uh, from excavation and other historical records, they found that that theater could seat 20,000 people. Okay, so this is not like some little amphitheater. This is a large theater, and you see also an athletic field. You see even bigger than the theater, a stadium to the north of the theater. If you kept going north on that road, which they called Theater Street, if you kept going north there, it would be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, just outside of Ephesus, called the Temple of Artemis. This magnificent structure 
devoted to. So, so impressive buildings all over the place. But listen to this, though. The people of Ephesus were the kind of people that were easily impressed by impressive people doing impressive things. Okay? That's why they had a stadium. That's why they had athletic fields. And then this temple of Artemis, a false god that many people would come from miles around to go and to worship. So, impressive buildings, a city filled with impressive people who were impressed by other impressive people who could do impressive things. A lot of those impressive things, though, were kind of like spiritually dark occultish type magic things uh, that a number of people would do there in Ephesus and would draw a crowd as people would be drawn to them. Now, when Paul was there in Ephesus, a few years before he wrote this letter to them, what God did to get the attention of many in Ephesus is God worked a number of miracles through Paul. You can read about that again in Acts chapter 19. And so as God intends to show to the people of Ephesus that Jesus is superior to all of the other gods that you worship, to all of the other powers that you are succumbed to. He, he worked miracles through Paul while Paul was there. Since the time that Paul was there, we don't hear of many more miracles happening. God often works miracles in certain seasons for certain purposes. But over the years between Paul's presence there and the time when he writes the letter... God has continued to build something very impressive there in the city with lots of impressive things. And what God continues to build in the city of Ephesus over this decade or so since Paul's been gone is he has continued to build his church. That's what God continues to build there in the city of Ephesus. Showing again the superior power of Christ in this city. He does it, he, he does it with People, uh, among those who the, the church is made up of, just, just so you know, the church is made up of all who acknowledge that we were once dead in our sin. You can go back to Ephesians 2. We don't see the gospel explicitly in this passage we're looking at today, but you see it very explicitly in this letter in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. If you have not read that, I encourage you to just ignore the rest of my sermon and go back and read that. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, lays out the bad news. We are all sinners, deserving the wrath of God, yet for all of us who put our faith in Jesus, we are made alive together with Christ. Move from spiritual death to new life in Christ by God's grace through faith alone in Christ alone. That's the message of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. But Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 ends by saying that we, the people that God saves by His grace, are His workmanship or His masterpieces. God is building something much more impressive than even one of the seven wonders of the ancient world there in Ephesus, and it is He is building up a people, the body of Christ. So that's some background on Ephesus that I think will help us better understand the passage that we're looking at today. Four points, and some of them will go super fast like this first one. That is this, Jesus gives to his church. Jesus gives to his church. That's how the passage begins. And he gave. And the he, the pronoun he there, is referring to Jesus because the verses just before this were all about Jesus. So it begins by saying, Jesus is giving something. What is it that Jesus is giving to the church to build up the church? Well, that's when we come to the second point. He is giving 
in verse 11, we see he is giving people in certain roles. Now, there are other times we read about in Scripture, and these are in your life group, guys. If you're in a life group, you'll go through these this week. Places like 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, that have these lists of things we often call spiritual gifts. Okay? Things that, that God gives to individuals who are a part of the church, unique, special gifts that they are to use in order to serve and build up the body of Christ. So a lot of times, the, when we talk about gifts that, that God gives to His church, we're talking about God giving gifts or particular abilities to people in the church to be used for building up the church. But it's different here in Ephesians 4. The gift that Jesus is giving to his church is not particular abilities, but actually particular people. Certain people with certain roles. Notice what it says. He gave what? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Let's go ahead and go through those one by one. He has given to the church in Ephesus apostles. The 12 original disciples minus Judas, but add Matthias plus Paul, okay, are, are the apostles, the ones who are called by God and sent out to build up his church. They are given to the first century church, the apostles and the prophets. Now, he's not referring here to Old Testament prophets like Isaiah or Ezekiel, but he is referring to New Testament prophets, those who would reveal the Word of God. Remember, in the first century, the Word of God, the New Testament, is in the process of being written. It hasn't yet been distributed to all the churches. So the churches, in order to hear the gospel, are dependent on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets who are proclaiming the gospel to the church. Okay? So, so you kind of get this sense. He is giving particular people to the church. I had an illustration here I forgot to do. So let me, I'm just going to back up and do this uh, because I think it might be helpful in understanding why it's important that God isn't just giving abilities to, to, to all the people in the church. He's giving particular people to the church. How many of you are either right now in band at school or you've been in band at some point in your life? You were in a band. A lot of you. Okay. Now, if you wanted to build a good band program, a school could give a good instrument to every student in that school to play. And that would be a helpful step in that process. Giving everybody an instrument to play would be helpful. But you know what also would be very helpful to create a good band program? Giving a band director or a teacher uh, to all of those students who have instruments. Just imagine what it would be like to have a bunch of 5th and 6th graders just given an instrument for the first time and there's no teacher or band director. Like here, have at it. You would hear a lot of noise but not very great music. But, but a good band program needs a director. A, a good band program is going to need a person who can come in and help those students, maybe give some lessons so they know how to use that gift, and, and try to help them work at sounding good together and creating music together that they couldn't create alone. Right? So, so, so the idea of like a band program isn't just a bunch of people with instruments. It also requires somebody kind of directing and, and leading and equipping them for those things. That's what we see here. 
what Jesus is giving to his church is not just a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of gifts. He's giving particular people who are taking a leadership role like apostles and prophets, what I've already talked about, and now also evangelists. That is particularly those who are called vocationally probably. Again, this is a role. All people called to evangelism, but evangelists are those who are called to go and preach the gospel to unbelievers. We would often call them missionaries. Philip and Timothy are called this in Scripture. And then, now you could say there's four or five roles here and there's debate over whether there's four or five listed. It goes back to original language, Bible originally written in, in Greek, and he intentionally puts the definite article before each of these, but the last two he lumps together. So he says the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and then the shepherds and teachers. Or, or your translation, actually every other major English translation except for the ESV, says pastors rather than shepherds. Okay? Pastors and teachers. Are, are those two separate roles or are they one role? Uh, again, that's, that's debated. Uh, I think either way we can recognize that a primary function, not the only function, I, I often tell the elders what we're called to do as shepherds, uh, talk to Pastor Nick, as shepherds in the church, as a pastor of the church, I am called to feed the flock but also to know and care for the flock and to lead and protect the flock. So a number of things we're called to, but teaching is a, an important subset of what a pastor is to do. Now, there's also people that teach that aren't pastors, but here it, it seems to be referring to the particular role of, of, of teaching as a pastor, pastors and teachers, shepherds and teachers. Okay? So, so those are the roles. Just, just a quick note about how those are kind of played out in the church today. Because okay, he's talking to, again, he's writing to the church in Ephesus a different context than today. One thing that's changed is we now have uh, the entirety of the Word of God in front of us. And so we do not have the office of apostle and prophet in the church today. Like tomorrow, like later on today, at the business meeting, we're going to vote people into offices, elder, deacon, and deaconess, but not apostle and prophet. We're not looking for new apostles and prophets that are on office in the church today. We do still have evangelists. Again, like I said, often referring to them as missionaries, uh, those that our church supports and partners with. But the, the, the most visible roles in the church today listed here in Ephesians 4, not the only roles, but those listed here in Ephesians 4 are shepherds and teachers. Again, pastors would be the word that, that all of the other translations in English would use. I mentioned at the beginning, I'm just really grateful that you have called me to be one of your pastors. Pastor Nick would say the same thing. It is a responsibility that we take very seriously. Uh, and, and I think uh, you know part of that role certainly is teaching. I get to teach and preach most Sunday mornings. Sometimes Nick does that as well. Nick uh, teaches our middle school youth group. He teaches our high school youth group. He leads leaders in a number of different contexts. So we get to do a lot of teaching as your pastors, and we recognize not everyone is called to these particular roles as, as evangelist uh, or, or pastor or teacher. But Jesus does give some people to these roles. And I'm grateful that this is a role that he's given to me and, and you have entrusted me with. Now the question would be, does God build his church through missionaries and pastors? Yes. 
Kind of, indirectly though, is what it's supposed to be, right? If you have not figured it out yet, and that would only be like if you're new here. If, you, if you've been around here for a while, you've figured out that both Pastor Nick and I are flawed in a number of different ways. And if you haven't figured it out yet as a church, just ask our family. They can let you know, right? That we are flawed in so many ways. And, and we cannot shoulder all of the responsibility of building the church ourselves. Our shoulders are not wide enough to hold that. I mean, even quite literally, we're both pretty skinny little guys, Right? Uh, we, we, can't, we can't handle that. And it is not intended. God's intent is not, well, there's going to be like two guys in a church of 200. I'm going to call them pastors, and it's all on them uh, to build up the body of Christ. That's not God's intent, right? And that's what we see clearly here in Ephesians 4. There are these people given in these particular roles to do something, and that is, we see at the beginning of verse 12. This is the third point. Two... Equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. The work is to be done by a larger group of people known here as saints. A couple of things just to break down. Again, back to that illustration. Students with instruments, but no director, we decided, probably not a great idea. Not going to make great music that way. But isn't this also true? A band with a good director but a bunch of students who really just don't want to work hard and don't really want to learn an instrument, they're not going to make very good music either, are they? Right? So, so we know both of those things to be true. So what does God give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church? What does he give them to the church for? Well, the reason is to equip. I'm going to break this phrase down a little bit. To equip. I, was, I didn't know this until I was studying this last week. Uh, looking at this word equip, it's the only time that this word is used in all of the New Testament. Okay, so again, New Testament written in Greek. The only time that this word is used in the New Testament is right here. And it's because normally it was used only in medical contexts. It was particularly used uh, in the context of setting a bone. Kind of an interesting use. So, so, so you, if you've, how many of you have had a broken bone before? You had a broken bone? Number of people, okay? Probably what happened when that bone got broken is in order for that, that, that ligament or, you know, or, sorry, that, that, uh, that, that arm or that leg or whatever was broken to work again, in order for that to work and to function well, in order for that to heal, perhaps your bone had to be set back in place. Like something had gotten off as it broke, and it needed to be set in place so that as it healed, it could function normally again. Right? That's the word that's, that Paul chooses to use here that's not used anywhere else in the New Testament. The idea is that, that pastors and teachers, those in these certain roles, are given to the church in a way to like set the bones, right? to get everything set up so that the church can properly heal and function. So that those in the church can do the work of ministry. Just getting the bones set up well. Who are the pastors and teachers in the church supposed to equip? Well, it says here they are to equip the saints. 
Yeah? Some of you may come from like a Roman Catholic background, and when you think of saints, you think of like a few certain people that you've probably never met who get like promoted to this position. That's not the way the Bible talks about saints. The Catholic Church is just wrong on that, right? The way the Bible talks about saints is saints are all who have been saved by God's grace through faith alone in Christ alone. So if you look at the very beginning of the letter to the Ephesians, look at Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1 says, Paul, an apostle, so that's his office, of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. He's not just writing to like two people that were, that were especially holy compared to everybody else. He's writing to the saints, those who have been made holy through faith in Jesus. This letter is addressed to the saints. And the saints are to do the work of ministry, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The work of ministry, again, is not something only to be done by a couple of people in certain roles, but the work of ministry is to be done by all who are called saints through faith in Jesus. And the goal of all of this, I've already kind of mentioned it, I, I ruined it, uh, but, but the goal of all of this is what it says at the end of verse 12. This is the fourth point. At the end of verse 12, it says this, for, so this is the goal, for building up the body of Christ. So you kind of get how this works. We have Jesus giving, with the goal in the end being building up the body of Christ, so Jesus is the head of the church. He desires to build up his body. How does he do it? Well, he gives certain people in certain roles who are going to equip all of the saints to do the work of ministry that results in the building up of the body of Christ. Remember how I told you that Ephesus was a city with some impressive buildings who enamored with impressive people that could do impressive things. Well, as more and more people heard the gospel and repented and put their faith in Jesus, it upset the culture of Ephesus. Again, you can even read about that in, in, in Ephesians, or sorry, in Acts 19. In Acts 19, you can read about a riot that started there, uh, and part of it was based on economics. A lot of the people in Ephesus made their money because of the false gods that they worshipped, and when people turned to Jesus and believed now that there are no other gods but the one true God, they didn't any longer buy, uh, and they encouraged other people not to buy, uh, the things, the, the, these little idols that were put in homes, right? Uh, and so that was affecting the economy of Ephesus. So people were upset uh, that these people were now coming to faith in Jesus. So as the church is being built in Ephesus, that actually has an impact on the rest of the culture as well. Paul's message to the saints in Ephesus is that Jesus is building something even more beautiful, even more impressive, and he's doing it through and with normal people like them. He is building the body of Christ, the church, through normal, everyday saints there in Ephesus. 
And the good news is, bringing this home to today, he continues to do that and has continued to do that from generation to generation, not just in modern-day Turkey, but throughout that land and now to the ends of the earth where Jesus has been building his church in this same way for centuries. Application for us. We don't live in Ephesus, but we do live in a world that values impressive people doing impressive things in impressive buildings, don't we? So I just looked up some stuff. I am uh, by no means a Taylor Swift fan, but I read that her latest Taylor Swift Eras tour, you, if you had to get tickets super fast, and then they were out, but people really wanted to go, and they wanted a ticket, and so people would resell the tickets for a ton of money. The average price for a resale ticket was over $1,500, right? So, so, so impressive things happening in an impressive building somewhere, and people paying a ton of money to do it. I, I like sports, right? Professional athletes are impressive people who can accomplish some impressive things, and they do it in some impressive buildings. I've been, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, so I'm done uh, for the year, but I got to go one time to U.S. Bank Stadium. It was actually with, Jeff, are you here today? So Jeff DeWeese is our church, this sounds bad. Jeff DeWeese is our church treasurer. The two of us went to a Vikings game in a really impressive building. U.S. Bank Stadium is a really impressive building. We got to sit lower deck 50-yard line. We drove a brand new BMW to go to the game. The church didn't pay for any of it. I didn't pay for any of it. This is a long story, you ask us sometime. But we got to see impressive people doing impressive things in an impressive building. That's what happened. Like, our culture is not too much unlike Ephesus. We are impressed by impressive people doing impressive things in impressive buildings. We see it in sports. We see it in music, in concerts. We even have Christian celebrities, right? The bands, Christian bands, that will charge tens of thousands of dollars to bring their fog, light, and music show to an impressive stage near you somewhere, right? And people fork it over, and then you can buy the VIP thing so you can have them sign a thing. But, right? We have Christian celebrity. It is an interesting kind of thing. But we're not all that much unlike Ephesus. But do you know what impresses me more than all of that stuff? It impresses me that Jesus is building his church through unimpressive people like us. That is a thing of beauty. And so I want to close today by helping us just kind of like see this and, and, and acknowledge like we should be impressed by this. You might go watch a football game today later and be impressed by, 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 by the people that are doing the things on the field, right? I want us to just acknowledge like what Jesus is building. This is impressive. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. Like th- this is like audience participation stuff. Um, or I should say saint participation stuff. Um, so I want to give us uh, a visual of this. Pastor Nick, if you could just come and join me. I told him uh, I'm going to have him come up and stand by me because um, we're, we're really thankful. I can speak for Pastor Nick as well that you've called us to be your pastors. But, but it's good for you to know the church is not being built by us, right? You, you get to see us often standing on a stage in front of people, but the church is not being built by us. We can't handle that. The church is being built by the saints who are doing the works of ministry. So I'm going to ask you to do uncomfortable stuff now, okay? Um, You don't have to come up on the stage, but you do have to stand if you're able. Let me ask you to do this. If you are now or ever have been 
in this church served in the role of elder, deacon, or deaconess, would you please stand? You're not going to be the only, now stay standing, okay? Number of people serving in those ways or have served in that way. If you are now or ever have been a member of the worship team or served back in the tech booth, please stand. That's more people. If you are now or ever have been a Bible study teacher or life group leader, please stand. If you are now or ever have been involved in children's ministry as an Awana volunteer, a Sunday school teacher, a youth group leader, VBS volunteer, please stand. That includes students who are helping out, right? And a lot of people. If you are a church custodian, a member of our security team, our welcome team, please stand or ever have been. If you are now or ever have been one who has made meals for the sick or for middle school youth group, go ahead and stand up. If you are now or ever have been a kid who was in the children's Christmas program, please stand up. Yes, you minister to the saints uh, by doing that. If you are now or ever have been a nursery volunteer, please stand. I put one on. If you make cookies for everyone on their birthday, please stand. But Kathy's already standing. Uh, if you are involved in decorating the church or helping take care of the church grounds, please stand. There are a lot of people standing already. Have you noticed this? And, and I, like, let's just get everybody on their feet. When I say, if you pray, if you give financially, if you sing along with the church on Sunday morning, then go ahead and stand up. Praise God that this, these are the people. Like we stand to sing, but it's good for us. Go ahead and look around. Uh, if you're sitting, standing in the front, you've got to turn around, and that's okay. Look at the people around you and be impressed that our Lord is building His church through unimpressive people like us here in Iowa Falls, Iowa. Struggling saints who are still tempted by sin. Praise God for that. You can go ahead and take a seat. You can go in your cage. Uh, <laughs> you got to control this man somehow. Uh, listen, I should tell you, I should have told you before he went back in the cage, but if, if you are a saint and you're saying, all right, that, that's me, by God's grace, I've heard the message of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I know that I am dead in my sin and hopeless on my own, but I heard the good news about what Jesus has done and my hope is in Him who came, who lived a perfect life, who died a death in my place, who was buried and raised from the dead. And my only hope for victory over sin, my victory over death, my hope is in Him. Then you are one of the saints and God has given you gifts in order that you might do the work of ministry. And if you're just, maybe what you're being convicted of here today is like, well, I want to do something. Uh, God has given me gifts. I want to use them in particular ways. It might be a particular role. It might just be something like, oh, I recognize there's a need that, that needs to be met, and I just go do that, and I don't have any role attached with it. Great, do that. But if you're just, maybe you're newer in the church, maybe you've been in the church for a while, just like, uh, here, here's the things that I can do. How can I serve? That's what Pastor Nick and I are here to do. We want to equip the saints for works of ministry. We want to set the bones in place in order that you might properly function. And I think that is how the church will be built. Regardless of whether or not we can go ahead with a building project, the church is going to be built. Christ's building project is going to happen as he uses his people to accomplish his purposes in the world around us. So, see it, be impressed, join us in it, 
and we'll just praise him for it. Uh, it is good to recognize he's doing a good work and he's worthy of our praise. So we're going to sing together. Worship team, come on up. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer. God, you are building something really impressive. It's beautiful, and I'm thankful that we get to see it. Thank you that you use people in certain roles to equip the saints for works of ministry. Thank you that you are building the church through unimpressive people like us. So God, may you be magnified as you do this work. May may the work you're doing draw attention not to us, but to you. I pray that you would do that even now as we sing a song that helps us to praise you for what you have done for us in Christ. This is the gospel we believe. This is the gospel we proclaim. And this is the gospel that makes us want to sing. So help us to sing loudly now, not just for your glory, but we know that you build up the church through the singing of the church. So build us up even now as we sing praise to you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand.